Well, good morning. Happy New Year, even though it's 13 days into the new year, but it's the first time I've preached to you in a year. So uh, it's, it's good to be with you. I'm going to read to you from the book of Joshua. We're starting a series in the book of Joshua today. This is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the hill country, Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A few years ago, I traveled to Costa Rica for a missions trip. And after the mission portion of the trip, I stayed in the country a few extra days to tour the country. I was on the Pacific coast and I signed up for a tour to see these giant sea turtles laying their eggs on the shore. So we gathered in front of the hotel that night around midnight. They packed us in this little van and we went down this uh, path through a jungle and then we arrived at a beach. They loaded us onto a skiff and in utter darkness, they took us across what I thought was a bay and they told us to get out on the other side and We couldn't see five feet in front of us. And the guide and the skiff driver said, wait here, and they left. And uh, someone joked, hey, what if they don't come back for us? And we all kind of laughed, but underneath the laugh was some fear. We couldn't see five feet ahead of us. We didn't know what was going to come next. We didn't know what light ahead In a way, life is like that. We can anticipate the future. You know, we have our calendars, but we can't see the future, and we don't know what it holds. This past year, I did some funerals. Every one of those funerals was of people who did not expect to die. Last year, this time, they were healthy. I visited some hospitals this year. No one planned last year on going to the hospital, but there they were with some unscheduled, you know, surgery or or ailment. 
Some families this year were doing fine. This year their child is depressed or is a downward in a spiral or maybe the marriage is falling apart. Those are the personal uncertainties. And then we have national ones. The Wichita Eagle I read is predicting a recession. The stock market has been a roller coaster as the long bull market over. And then the Democrats say they're going to impeach the president. What will that do for the nation? And, and then how long will this government shutdown last? And maybe this new year has greeted you and has burdened you with some uncertainties or things you're worried about. So what do we do when we have a life of uncertainty? Well, there was a time when Israel came to a time like that in their history and in their life. They had just left Egypt. They had wandered the wilderness Their leader, Moses, was dead. He was the only leader they had ever known. Their new leader, Joshua, was, you know, Moses' assistant, but he was untested. And God had told them to invade this land, a land that had fortified cities and massive people and large armies. And so they're wondering... Are we going to be able to do this? They were facing uncertainty. Now, their fathers faced the same situation 40 years earlier. They came to the land. They saw the fortified cities, the large people, the big armies. And even though God told them to take the land, they said, no, we won't. And they refused to enter. And now 40 years later, they are in the same place, facing the same uncertainty. The cities of Canaan are still fortified. The people are still big. The armies are still large. And it's at that time, the word of the Lord comes to Joshua. And he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and very courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I sorted our forefathers to give them. And so at a time when Israel was worried about their future, God spoke to them. He gave them two primary promises. One promise was, I'm going to be with you. And the other promise says, you're going to take the land. I will do what I said I will do. So the first promise was, I'll be with you. And implied in that promise is, I'm going to help you do what I've asked you to do. And so God would be with them as they took the land. So let's say, uh, for example, I called you up on the phone And I said, hey, I'm trying to get some people who will visit, people who have visited the church, and we are going to go out and share the gospel with them and answer any objections uh, they have to their faith. Are you willing to go and do that? Now, some of you would say yes. Most of you would say "Uh, no, because you'd be afraid. You're like, I'm not sure how to do that, and you'd probably refuse. 
With Israel, the prospect of overthrowing fortified cities with an untrained army seemed impossible. It was beyond their ability to do it. No wonder their forefathers balked at the prospect of taking the land. But God said, I will be with you. And if God said, I am with you, that meant I will be with you and to help you do this. So now, for example, I call you. And I say, I would like some people to visit people who have visited the church. We are going to share the gospel with them and answer any objections they have uh, to the faith. And I'm going to go with you. And whatever you can't do or answer, I'll be there. Don't worry about it. We'll do this together. Now, are you more apt to say yes? Yes, you might be a little afraid. You might be nervous. It's something new. But you're more apt to go because you know that it's not totally dependent on you and your ability. God has promised to be with us. Before Jesus left this earth, he told his disciples, go and make other disciples, and I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Meaning, I'm with you as I tell you to do what I've told you to do. Now, the other source of Israel's encouragement was another promise of God. And that is God's promise that I will give you the land. And so before they experienced the land, before they took the land, God said, I will give you the land. And so when God tells us to do anything, he gives us power and his presence to do what he says. Now, the land meant a lot to those people. It was the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. It meant rest from their wanderings, rest from their enemies. It was a prosperous land. It was uh, an earthly paradise that foreshadowed the greater salvation that would come through Christ. And God said, this land is yours. And believing that promise gave the people confidence to move forward, no, no, wonder, no matter what hardships they would face. God promised it would be theirs. And so God makes us certain promises, and it's the promises of God that affect our outlook on life. Let me give you a few examples. God says, or Jesus says, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. If you believe in me, even though you die, yet shall he live. Now, when we believe those promises, it changes our outlook. If someone has lost a loved one, if someone is facing a life-threatening illness, if someone is facing their death, believing that promise gives them what is needed to face that, that grief or that loss, or that challenge. It changes our outlook. All the promises of God do. God does. The promises also motivate us to fulfill his commandments. Well, on the other hand, a commandment without a promise doesn't have much power. 
What if God said to Israel, go take that land. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I'm kind of interested in seeing how it will turn out myself, but go ahead and give it a try. Doesn't exactly inspire confidence, does it? Doesn't inspire obedience. Obedience is inspired by the promise of God that it will result in a good end. So, for example, there's a promise of God that says, don't worry about what you'll eat or where you'll live or what you'll wear. Your Father in heaven knows you need all those things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. Now, people who believe that promise, they're not anxious or worried. They don't lie awake at night wondering how God's going to provide for them. They have confidence in the promise of God. People who don't believe that, they're worrisome people, wondering if and how they're going to make it. Here's another command that has a promise. It's a command to tithe or to give. God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and give you so much you won't be able to contain it. Now, people who believe that promise, they give out of faith and out of confidence. They give generously, and they become a blessing, and their gifts advance the kingdom. People who don't believe it, They give maybe what's left over. They give what they think they can spare. They give nothing at all. You see, behind our disobedience is fear. And behind the fear is us not believing the promises of God. The first time the Israelites came to the promised land, God told them, the land is yours, I'm with you, take it. But the people looked at their circumstances, not at God. They saw cities with walls. They saw large people. They saw trained armies. And despite what God had said, they looked at the circumstances and said, no, we won't go. We won't do what you said. And God said, okay, you don't have to enter the land. Turn around and go back into the wilderness until a generation rises up who will have the faith to believe me. Now, some people will say, that's kind of harsh of God. But look at what they were believing about God. You're basically saying, God, you're a liar. We don't believe that you'll give us this land. They're saying, Lord, you don't care about us. That's why you're sending us to our death. They're saying, God, we prefer to live as slaves instead of living this better life that you've promised us. Their disobedience spoke volumes about what they believed about God. Their disobedience was rooted in fear, and their fear was rooted in unbelief. Think about your disobedience. 
Behind it is fear. Behind the fear is something you're not believing that God has said. God always links obedience to faith in his promises. In the case of our text, God said in verses 5 and 6, As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Courage to do the will of God is not blind courage or reckless behavior. It is a firm belief that God will do what he says. And so let me repeat that. God is with you as you do, do, as you do what he says. Let me just apply that to church life. Some churches just brainstorm and think about things they can do for God. And then they go ahead and say, okay, right, let's, let's do it. And then the thing they do just kind of doesn't go anywhere. God's presence and power doesn't accompany everything we do. It accompanies us as we do what he says. And so for a church, we need to be sure that this is what God has told us to do. And then as we move forward, God's presence and his power goes with us. In our own lives, we, we, we kind of want God to be with us in everything we do. But if God doesn't tell us to do it, there's no guarantee that God's presence or power is in it. So sometimes, you know, I was talking to a college student the other day, and they're lamenting this uh, relationship in college that, that fell apart. It's like, well, did that relationship honor God? No. Did he do any relationship what God wanted you to do? No. Well, then let's not lament that God was not in what he, while you were doing what he didn't want you to do. You got that? God's presence and power is with us as we do what God has told us to do. So now let me ask, has God been talking to you? Has he put something on your mind, on your heart, on your conscience? Has he been moving you to go in a certain direction or to do a certain thing? Does the word of God agree with what God is telling you to do? Or maybe it's something God is asking you to relinquish or give up. God will be with you. God will give you the ability and wisdom to do what he has told you to do. Now in verse 7, God's going to repeat again this thing he says three different times. He says, be strong and very courageous. We're going to hear that, those words three times in this short little passage. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. 
So God promised the Israelites to land, and he said that they would have success, but then he linked that success to doing his law or doing his word. Why? Because when God saved them, he saved them to be his people who would live according to his character and his holiness and would be his people on the earth. Furthermore, God gives them his word or his law, which created for them this path that they could walk in and follow that would lead them to prosperity and success. God saves his people for a purpose. It did not save us from hell just to rescue us from hell. He rescued us from hell so that we would be his people. And this is why, along with giving us salvation, he gives us his word. And so, let me encourage you to make God's word part of your daily life. Our passage says, don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. They didn't have Bibles. They were taught the word, they memorized the word, and then they spoke the word to themselves as they were afraid or as they were tempted. They'd speak the word to themselves. And God says, don't let that word depart from your mouth. In fact, meditate on it day and night. And so that means we live a life where we're always mindful of the word. It's resonating in us. We're talking to the Lord about the word and about our lives, and we're trying to live our life according to his word, mindful of his presence. It's that kind of life, God says, will result in prosperity and success. Knowing the word, believing the word, Doing the word is how we live as the people of God. And as we live that way, we find courage and hope, even if we have uncertainty in our future. The first time the Israelites came to the promised land, they knew the promise, but they did not believe the promise. And they balked, and the result was disaster. The second time they came to the promised land, their circumstances were exactly the same. Nothing was different. You still had cities with walls and armies that could kick some rear end. But this time, they believed the promise. They moved forward in the power of God, and when they came to the most fortified of all the cities, which was Jericho, They took that city without losing a man because God brought down the walls. Faith in the promises of God gave them courage to face an uncertain future and the faith to follow where God was leading them. And where God leads always has a good end. We face an uncertain future also. We don't know where the economy will go. We don't know what family crisis might come our way. We don't know what the government's going to do or not do. 
We can't see the future. But Jesus is already in our future, ready to give us what we need for whatever we have to face. Whatever it is you're anxious about, here's how you, here's how you find courage to overcome it. You trust in the promise of God to be with you, and then you do as he says. And as you do as he says, and as you believe what he says, he'll give you confidence, faith, courage, and that thing you are afraid of will turn out so that you see the redemption of God. It's the presence of one who is is in control that gives us courage even in frightening circumstances. Now remember that story I started the sermon with? I'm on this beach in Costa Rica with a few other people. We can't see five feet in front of us. We don't know what lies ahead and we are scared. Then we hear this motor. And the skiff comes up on the shore. We couldn't even see it. Well, then the guide comes with this red, you know, flashlight, this red light, and he had brought some other people with him. I guess it was from another hotel. And then he said, all right, we're ready to go. And even though I still didn't know where we were going, and even though I still couldn't see five feet in front of me, I could see the guide because he was lit up, you know, with these red lights because the white light scares the turtles. I could see the guide, and I just followed him without fear. That's how we face an uncertain future. We may not be able to see five feet in front of us. We may not know what lies ahead, but I know the guide. And I can follow him. And if he is with me, then I can face the future, whether I know it or not. Let me pray. Father in heaven, if we have something we're worried about or burdened with, or uncertain about, then Lord, um, we're going to give that to you. So whatever we are frightened about, we're going to give you. And Lord, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit gives us a promise that we can cling to. And Lord, we're going to believe your promise. If there's something in our life you want us to give up, then Lord, we're going to ask you to show us the fear behind not wanting to give it up. And behind the fear, show us your word that we're not believing. We're going to believe what you say and walk forward in obedience. 
So hear our prayer in this, Lord. We're going to pray that your Holy Spirit bugs us until we get into your word. And we let it resonate with us day and night. So Lord, we give you permission to hound us. We pray that you do. Because your word is life. In Jesus' name, amen.